1: Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host Nick. I'm Imran. Right, I'm Ed. <laughs> yeah, second time round that works out. And uh, welcome to our season preview podcast. I uh, hope you listened to our couple of pre-season shows. We're only we're recording this on uh, what day are we? Tuesday? Are we Wednesday? Wednesday. We, it, Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, look, summer holidays we're in, uh, dealing with childcare and all sorts, so I don't know what day it is, but yeah, we're a few days from the start of the season, that is what is important. Our pre-season matches are all over, we're kicking off on Sunday against uh, Brighton, I will be there, will you be there Imran? Yep,
2: I am. Looking forward to it?
1: Yeah, well, look, that is what we're going to talk about. What are your season expectations? How are we feeling about the season ahead? You know, the transfer window isn't closed, but I think at this point it's a valid time to talk about how we've kind of done in the window, seeing as this is the actual squad we are going to be kicking off the season with. Uh, There's other kind of bits and bobs that we will chat about over here. There's some kind of changes in coaching and stuff like that. But uh, before we totally kick off, I did want to give a big shout out to England Lionesses, who obviously won Euro 22 over there. And yeah, look, we say it's finally come home. Yeah, all those years of hurt coming to an end. I don't know how much you guys had kept a kind of eye on this stuff. Did you watch all of the women's Euros,
2: Imran? I watched all of England's games and then would catch, whenever it was on, I just put on, I just put it on because I always put football on. But I watched every uh, England game. Fair enough. How about
1: Ed, were you watching, keeping an eye on it?
3: I was keeping an eye, but I never got a chance to watch it until the final, for shame. Um, I'd like liked to have done, but I just, yeah, timings and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, look, fair enough. I do understand that. But yeah, I kind of went all in on this Euros because uh, I've got a young daughter who I've been trying to indoctrinate into football. So I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to try and get her on board. And yeah, actually, I went to the final at Wembley. I took my daughter. I have actually taken to her a couple of matches before, but this is the first one she'll probably actually remember. And she actually loved it. Yeah, I mean, uh, all game, I was getting uh, ready for saying england germany we're not going to win this. We always lose to Germany. It's, I was like trying to get her prepared because I was like, she is not going to be happy if we come out of here with a loss. But it, oh, somehow we went in there and yeah, our ladies did it. And um, yeah, and there was three of our Manchester United ladies that were a big part of this team. Uh, Mary Earps is the goalkeeper, played every, started every game, played every game, was actually being voted goalie of the tournament. And then, yeah, coming off the bench in every game, there was Ella toon and alicia russo who also scoring some vital goals all the way yeah alito scored in the final and alicia russo scored the goal of the tournament with a back heel earlier on so yeah women's football is really coming a lot here we have covered it on a couple of podcasts before and we definitely will try and cover it more this season the women's super league actually doesn't kick off for another month yet so we will get somebody on when that's kicking off to give us a bit more of insight into where the women's team are at the moment but at the moment with only a few days to
2: go, we're obviously focusing on the men's team. Well, just before we move on to the men, uh, it, it, I think it, it, it's fair to say that United really should capitalise on this Euros and our women's, like especially Ella Toon and uh, Russo. Like, I think the maybe not household names is the right word, but they're definitely like their name, their names now are out there, and I feel like uh, we should put the, the marketing machine behind them. I mean, Russo's only got a year left on a contract. We should tie her down, whatever. It's time to invest in our women's team. I mean, it's a drop in the ocean compared to what we put in our men's team. And there's no reason why we can't put that investment in them so that we can rival Arsenal and Chelsea at the top of the WSL. And I think that's that's what we should be doing. Um, I think Russo hasn't put pen to paper on. I think I heard something about, like, we're a bit worried about our uh, commitment to the game, you know, the investment that we're going to put in that women's side. So it's just, I think it's something that we have to do at the moment. No,
1: absolutely. I think that is the thing that we've talked about it on this podcast before, for anybody who missed the kind of couple of episodes where we have focused on the women's game. But at the moment, Manchester United women are not one of the big kind of English women's teams. We've come fourth a couple of years in a row. You have to come in the top three to be in the Champions League. And that's why maybe the likes of be fair. We didn't narrowly miss out to City. We have come close. We're not like that far off. But, you know, this team only started in 2018. That's the crazy thing. Uh, It's only a few years in that we've even had a team. So they've come from being like Division 2 to Premier League and now trying to break into the top few, which is still currently Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City. And yeah, I guess that's why the likes of Alessia Russo want to know whether Manchester United are going to be a team where she can win trophies or not. Uh, and as I say, we will get on somebody who follows that a lot more in a couple of weeks' time, just before that women's season is going on. Um, but yeah, look, we will focus on the men's team over here. We do also have a kind of Dutch expert who is joining us on the show today, Michael Statham from the Orange Football Web, website and podcast who's going to give us some more kind of insight into Eric Ten Hag and some of the Dutch plays we've got over there um, but look let's kind of kick off and just say look how are we feeling about the season ahead we've talked about it already a couple of times I was not on the last podcast but I know I was saying look we've not done that great transfer business so far but I'm kind of chilled we've got plenty of time yet But now we don't have any time. We're like days away from the season starting. We've made three transfers. And I actually, look, for me, it's nowhere near enough. And normally I'm one who is saying, look, we're okay. Our squad is all right. Like, we've still got time. But now with a new manager, with like seven, eight players who've left to only bring in three players. And I'd even say how many of those three players are like guaranteed starters. And at the moment, I'd say none of them are actually guaranteed. I mean, Malassia for me is a backup left back. Uh, I think I'm sure Ericsson and Martinez will play a lot of minutes and a lot of matches, but I don't actually think they're going to start straight away on the weekend over here. I mean, maybe one of them might do, but I actually don't think either of them would because they've not been that much involved in pre-season. So for me at the moment, it's a pretty disappointing kind of transfer window. I mean, I don't know what you think about that, Ed.
3: Uh, The transfer window could be better, but I'd still rate it as maybe five. I don't think it's that bad. I think my last year, when he gets going, I think if if Shaw doesn't start the season well, um, he he might end up being our our preferred left-back. I think he's been all right in pre-season.
1: I mean, Shaw was ill like He has missed a couple of matches, so he might not be available through illness, through injury, whatever. And then, yeah, maybe Malasia will start because of that. But I think if Shaw's fit, he's still first choice for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it just depends on which Shaw turns up, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last season, Shaw was one of the players where the season was a write-off. Whereas the year before, he obviously had a great season. Uh, you know, one of our players of the year was a standout for England as well. But yeah, there's a lot of players were in that camp, Shaw. Maguire, Rashford, where we're all like hoping last season was a write-off and we see the players that we saw two years ago. Uh, I mean, Imran, how have you been feeling about the transfer window and
2: where we're at so far with a few days to go to our first game? Um, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's been poor. Um, I would rank it about a three out of ten. Um, happy with the pe- I'm, ha- I'm happy with the people who've come in, don't get me wrong. Um, very happy with Ericsson. Martinez, I'm going to trust Ten Hag knows what he's doing there and bringing him in as a left-sided centre back. Um, knows the style, good with ball at his feet. Happy with that. Malacia, backup left back. Didn't really need one, I guess. I'd have happy with. I'd have rather we got a right back than a left back, but if we're still going to get a right back. Then fair enough. I just feel like we our squad is currently so deficient in a lot of areas that it just I, I just worry about it. Um, we we currently have more. I put this in the group. We currently have more centre backs at the club than we do players for our attacking midfield right-wing, left-wing and striker. I'm, I, I don't know how we've got to that situation, but we have. Um, and if two of our four forwards get injured, then I don't know what we're looking... We're, we're looking pretty dire then. Um,
3: no, I, and I do see that. I, I certainly get where you're coming from there, but I don't know. I, I think the way Ten Hag has us playing, or at least has had us playing in pre-season, it might sort of uh, make up for that. Uh, we've sort of been getting the ball back higher up the pitch. So it's not been getting as far back as the as it has in previous seasons and we're, we're not sort of defending last ditch as we were.
2: That's fine. It's just I'm more worried about going forward, if anything. Um, we've got – I mean, Sancho looks good in pre-season. That's great. Rashford looks all right. Martial's doing his usual I'm amazing in pre-season. I'm a bit worried about the fact that we have to go into a season – backing Anthony Martial to do well for us, it feels like it's Groundhog Day all over again. And when, and if he lets us down, then it's going to be like, well, we saw that coming, didn't we? Hopefully he doesn't. But, I mean, it won't be the biggest shock to anyone in the world if Anthony Martial doesn't exactly pull up trees this season, will it? Um, and then ultimately, we haven't got rid of Ronaldo. And I think that's a, another negative point. I think the fact that he's still around, is it has to be a negative, uh, and that's dragging on. Yeah, look, the Ronaldo circus has
1: obviously been the big news for the past few weeks, and I don't know. It kind of seemed like he was going to leave, and then it's not really clear what kind of options he has to leave and whether in the end he has to stay, Whether and he's not that happy about it. But look, he did actually appear in that match against Rayo Vallecano on Sunday. You know, it was kind of weird. We had these two back-to-back games uh, against Atletico Madrid and Rayo Vallecano one day after another. But it kind of gave us a pretty clear idea of where Eric Ten Hag is at. And he basically took his first team and played them against Atletico Madrid. And I'm pretty sure maybe there might be one or two changes. But the team he started in that game, I expect to be starting against Brighton. I mean, Eriksen could come in. I do not expect Martinez to come in yet. But yeah, I think the only one who might come in there is Ericsson. And yeah, there is a couple of injury sicknesses that could kinda of change. But I think the lineup we saw in that match is most likely to be very, very close to what we see against Brighton. And I mean, that it's, team it's, that played, it's it's basically it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team. Like
2: it's, it's wild. not changed like at all. There's much was, was starting <laughs> another season with McTominay and Freddie midfield. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's like mitigating circumstances of that because we're waiting for Frankie de Jong and there's a whole manner of stuff going on today. I'm like, who knows what to believe on that anymore. And I get that we're waiting for him, but just the, the, the sheer fact that we are starting the season with Freddie McTominay again is just, well, we should not have been starting last season with him, never mind this season. No, look, like I say, the team is more or less Ole's team. The only
1: major change you'll say is that Dalo is now clearly first choice ahead of Aaron wan whether that's like a massively exciting change, I don't know, but I think maybe we'll say it's like a slight upgrade, Um, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, you, you, you feel still confident about this team. I mean, you did mention that obviously Eric Ten Hag has brought back some confidence, we started pre-season very well, had some good results. The last two, three matches were not as good, but I thought we still played pretty well from the stuff I saw. I mean, I, I must say, I didn't see any of that Vallecano game because it actually clashed with the women's Euro final that I was at. So I didn't see even
3: one minute of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't take much, too much stock in the performances in, in pre-season, but like, the, the way in which the team was going about its business mm-hmm. was a lot more progressive to what we've seen in the last few, few years. Uh, in terms of players knowing what they're supposed to do and where they're supposed to press and you know put pressure on the ball, the, the 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 ball is being pressed further up the pitch than it has been before, and I just I've that gives me more confidence going into the season. Though I, I do get that like we are short on strikers, and you know where we when we're talking about um, having Anthony Alanga in there, I mean he's never considered in the striker. Sort of argument as to what, where, who we have cover. So, like, we definitely probably need to sign someone. And I think it's been said that we are looking at trying to sign a striker. And, you know, we were talking with IX about Anthony, weren't we?
2: Yeah, but that's gone now, apparently. 80 million. 80 million. Something like that, they were saying. Somewhat daft and nothing. Uh, the, I mean, we haven't got resident uh, transfer Muppet Jamie on to verify these things. But what I heard was and I are I asking for too much and we've walked away. So that's a no well, go I think then.
1: actually, yeah, Michael from the OrangiFootball.com uh, is going to give us some insight into Anthony and some of the Dutch side of things over there. So, yeah, you definitely know stuff better over there. But, yeah, we don't have Jamie's transfer expertise at the moment. But it did look like basically they were asking a ridiculous amount for him. And I'm not sure that's going to go too much further. But yeah, we have been quite a lot linked now with this young striker from Leipzig-Sesco. I think we need a striker. I mean, although I was happy to see Garnacho finally get a bit of game time on the weekend and he did really well from the bits I saw. He did not play much at all on tour. I was actually a little bit disappointed at how little some of the younger players did get kind of game time on tour. But pretty quickly, Eric Ten Hag decided that, right, I need to get ready for the season. I need to put out what is our best 11 in the squad I've got. And he kind of stuck with it all through the tour, basically. He did not change that much. Like every game, he started with a similar team. There was a few changes here and there, but it was pretty clear by match three or four that he already decided this is the team we're starting with unless anybody else comes in. And yeah, look, there's a couple coming in, but you know the big ones who want De Jong or whatever have not arrived yet.
3: I'll, I do think that... Um... Uh, Martinez will be playing at the uh, left centre-back. I think Lingard's just a placeholder until
2: he's sort of Lindelof. found his feet. So, yeah, Lind- Lind- Lindelof. I mean, if Lingard turned up at centre-back for us, I really <laughs> would be then.
3: Yeah, more hospital passes to, uh, to play other strikers in, yeah. Yeah, Lindelof uh, is just a placeholder for the time being.
1: Yeah, I mean, Varane has again had a stop start preseason. I don't know if he's going to be a perennial sick note for us. I don't think he was before he came to us. But yeah, since he's come to us, he's not really managed to be stay fit for like a few months at a time. Whenever he's been kind of playing for a few games in a row, I've kind of seen that his class has come through and he is definitely a top class player. I just worry now whether he joins that. You know, we've always got this list of centre backs that end up spending most of their times in the sick room. You know, Jones, Smalling, Rojo, Baye. We constantly have uh, like the most unluck with like all the centre backs, and uh, you know, a couple of them are still with us at the moment. We're hoping they leave. Yeah, Baye, Jones are still well, kicking the, around. the other,
2: other reason why I mark Marcus down is that we haven't got really enough players for me. Um, Tellers went out on loan today it's another loan unfortunately we can't really sell; seem to sell these players because of the wages which that's another problem Who asked me to get rid of though? Well Bay, Bay, Jones uh, yeah Um yeah. One Bissaka, Williams Juan there's a whole yeah. load of defenders uh, yeah. that we can uh, clear
1: out and not you know. lose that much and all. then yeah Two Tuanzibi yeah. is still a Manchester
2: United player yeah I
3: totally forgot they existed I mean that's a yeah. lot of, yeah there's
2: a lot of players in there and like even for me like I do like the guy, but honestly, like when James Garner came back to this club, I would have sold him to, to Forrest for 15 million and put a buyback clause in there because I don't think he's quite ready for us. I'm not sure he will be because ultimately we, we put a lot of faith in our youngsters, but how many of them actually are good enough for United? It's, it's like a very small number, one every couple of years. And like Garner, good lad. Uh, he's a decent player. I watched a fair bit in Forrest last season because I didn't watching a lot of championship football. And he is a good player, but I, I I'll be, I'll be surprised if he really makes it at United. And if he did, and so this would be the time to sell him to Forrest when his stock's fairly high with them. I mean, they bought Luis O'Brien from Huddersfield Town for £10 million. So you'd think Garner would be worth more to them than that. And then you sell him, and you put, if you're worried about him making it, you put a buyback clause in. No, I mean, look, because we're deficient in
1: midfield, I, I do want to see James Garner get a chance. I mean, midfield is obviously a massive area of weakness, having lost Pogba, Matic... Even like, you know, the likes of Lingard and Matter who might have filled in in that kind of area. We've lost a lot of kind of squad places in that area for sure. And we've not bought anybody in. Like you say, the transfer saga of the summer, De Jong is still
2: ongoing at the moment. We still don't know what's going on over there. But, but even uh, with De Jong, I feel like we should be buying someone another centre midfielder on top of him. Like, I don't know why it's just De, De Jong. I feel like we've lost, we lost Matic and Pogba to... Starters, and we we're going to replace him with one Frankie de Jong. I well, that doesn't make there sense is also like Donny van der Beek who's coming back into oh, I mean, the squad. I he, he was there at the beginning of last season, he existed. Yeah, but
1: I mean, the, the theory was that under Eric Ten Hag, he will get more of a chance. Mm. He hasn't actually started many of our preseason games, but I do have in front of me right now the list of top 10 minutes in preseason. Oh, and, what a top 10. Yeah, well, or like I mean, quite obviously, David De Gea is at the top of that list, but. You might be surprised. Who is the only player who played in every six of our preseason games?
2: I, I know the answer to this. Oh, I don't. I'm going to guess <laughs> uh, Lindelof, Ed, Donny Van
3: Der Beek.
1: Yeah, it is actually oh, I mean, Donny Van Der Beek. Be, yeah, even though, up. like, it was mostly from the bench, uh, he did start in that of Americano. But even though it's mostly from the bench, he was the only player who featured in every game, and he has got the joint second highest minutes in preseason. So you you know, from kind of looking at I didn't watch all our preseason matches because a lot of them were at like work time or whatever and mm-hmm. kind of watched highlights. But if you looked at starting lineups, it looked like Ten Hag was not that interested in Donny van der Beek, whereas a lot of people thought, okay, Ten Hag is finally going to unlock the talent that we've been missing for the past couple of years. But he actually, like I said, is actually joint first in outfield players of how many minutes he's played in preseason, mm-hmm. along with Diogo Dalot, Victor Lindelof, Bruno Fernandes, Fred, and Marcus Rashford. So they're like the kind of, is that six? Yeah, six players who'd played the most minutes. And then after that, you've got Anthony Martial, Harry Maguire, and Tyrell Malassia. So that's the kind of 10 who've played the most minutes in preseason. I mean, some of that, like I say, is due more to like sickness, injury. Luke Shaw has not been available for every single game over there. But yeah, that that kind of, you know, points more or less to the team that's going to be starting. I mean, Jaden Sancho also missed a couple of games. If he's fit, he'll definitely be starting. But uh, apart
2: from that, you know, this looks more or less what a lineup's going to be. I've said this to Ed and. I say it, I feel like this is the season where we actually finally say yeah Van der Beek's a bit rubbish. But um hopefully I'm wrong, but that's just just my gut feeling is that yeah we'll, we'll at the end of the season we'll think well yeah he's he's not that great. But uh,
3: yeah, I yeah, I don't think it could go either way. I th- I think the, probably the evidence is there that he's probably not cut out for us but i am happy to give him one more chance.
2: Oh yeah, he definitely deserves a shot cuz he never really had one with us but just not, not I'm not convinced. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe I think he probably the, will just be, like,
1: me. more of a squad player. I think he'll play a lot from the bench, but I actually don't think he's going to be a starting player for us, even during Terran Um So, yeah, we'll see how that goes from there. Well, uh,
3: against Atletico, he came in for um, Bruno, and Ericsson sort of sat in the midfield more, because I think that's what he did for Brentford as well, didn't he?
4: He, he did play a bit deeper, really. Really.
3: yeah. yeah. It, it was, was number eight, not, 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 not
2: like a holding midfielder or anything, but it definitely, but then mm-hmm. I think, I'm pretty sure Brentford had a proper holder. Don't yeah. get me wrong on that. I don't watch that many Brentford, many Brentford games. Someone can yeah. correct me.
1: No, like from what I've seen in pre-season, Ten Hag has gone for two kind of systems. And one is our traditional, what we played under Ole, what we eventually played under Ranić when he gave up with his own style of football was the 4-2-3-1. And he's gone with McFred. But then, yeah, sometimes he has then played with one kind of holder and it's been Fred and then played two in front of him. So it's either van der Beek and Bruno or van der Beek and Eriksen who are kind of playing more like double number eight. And that has, maybe we'll see a bit more of that uh, in especially home matches against easier teams on paper. Hopefully we will not see like two number sixes and it'll be more like two number eights. But I guess, you know, this weekend will be the first we'll really get confirmation of that. Um, but look, I want to just get quickly from both of you a kind of prediction of where you think we're going to finish this season, because we are also going to add in some predictions from some of the rest of the United Hour crew who've recorded their kind of ideas of where we're at. So just before we go to a break, I want you both to throw out, where do you think we're going to finish this season? Imran.
2: I mean, the problem, the problem, the big problem with this question is, our squad could look so different in four weeks time that it could be completely, we could have another striker, a right back, no, look, I will. Then. I will then,
1: revisit it when
2: the transfer window so, is closed. I mean, but look, the season starting squad, I would worry.
1: The season um, because, is starting in a few days' time, so we've got well, to give a
2: prediction now. Well, out of the rest of the top six, you could argue that we have strengthened the least out of the rest of those squads. Obviously, Arsenal have been throwing money around. Spurs have brought in everyone apparently. Chelsea, Chelsea haven't, but they're trying to buy everyone and their dads. At this point, and City, ob- City and Liverpool obviously made their big signing. So, I mean, I feel like we're way behind. Obviously, in Liverpool, I worry that Arsenal have kind of got ahead of us, but then I do believe Arteta's an absolute numpty. So, I mean, I still see us just outside of that top four. It's hard. So You're saying fifth, or are you saying sixth, fifth? All right. Fifth,
3: sixth. Fifth, sixth. sixth. All right. Ed. to see Ed, us breaking Ed,
2: in. Where, where you are you at, Ed? Quite the confident third. <sighs> Yeah. The, who's, who's ahead of us and who's behind us? Uh, City Limple ahead of us. And then uh, everyone else is behind. Even Conte Spurs. Uh, yeah. All right, Ed's going for the optic. Look, Normally,
1: I'm very optimistic going into seasons. I am not, that, like I said, I am not happy at all. I cannot believe that the season is starting. and We've only bought in three players, given that, like I say, seven, eight players have left. Uh, you know, a new manager was in. We were supposed to have this new kind of era in our boardroom, in the transfer kind of network who is sorting out our deals and they've just not done the business at all. I mean, all right, there is still a month. We I still do expect that we will bring in another two, three players. Uh we've obviously gone all in and been waiting for De Jong and it hasn't happened at all, which has caused a lot of problems. At the moment I am not confident of us finishing top four. And I think that is probably the first time I've ever said that on this I podcast. Mean, I'm telling you right now that is the <laughs> first time you've ever said that on your podcast. I'm pretty sure you were saying we'd finish top four in March last year. <laughs> yeah yeah look as I say I'm not happy about this window at all even though as I say I think Eric Ten Hag is doing good work I think there is some confidence back in players like Martial like Rashford but we definitely need two even three more players in before the close of this window and if we get them and I'm talking about players who are pushing for starting not squad players then yeah i definitely think we can get towards that third kind of fourth you're talking about ed as it stands i really cannot say that we're going any higher than fifth either and right now today if this was our squad i would have to say that fifth place is where we're at i still do expect we will get more players in and we'll revisit it when the transfer window closes but yeah as i say i am i i'm not happy about our business at this point and i think eric Ten Hag is been really failed by what was supposed to be a kind of new era of arnold murtor and whatever Um, and yeah look they've still got a few weeks to sort it out but at the moment i'm not happy about it i did actually put a bet on with a friend of mine always that we would finish top four i've actually tried to worm out of that bet in the past few days but he's not allowed me to so i am already all in on united top four Uh, as i say we will add in over here some other kind of views from the rest of the united hour crew and apart from that we're going to go for a quick break and we will see you on the other side of that
5: hello i'm david former season ticket holder currently residing in canada and occasional contributor and guest on the podcast Um, as far as pre-season goes um, i think like everyone i was excited to see the increase in intensity that we had in the first couple of games and obviously regardless of the squad they put out getting one over Liverpool is always a plus in my eyes and we looked really really compact looked like we were working hard and that there was going to be some kind of change in terms of the intensity that we could maybe sustain for a full game. That was very good to see. Um, Obviously, one of the the huge positives from pre-season was that Tony Martial seems to have come back from Sevilla, a different player, and long may that continue because if he performs anything like he is probably capable of, then it fills a hole for us in terms of having to go out and sign another attacking player. Our transfer business is not over. Hopefully we can get another few guys through the door. Um, I think we need that, especially in midfield, because if we start the season with McTominay and Fred in midfield, then it just might spontaneously combust um, and have to become a national fan who, whose transfer window has been significantly better than ours so far. So let's hope they turn that around. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see the what actually happens under Ten Hag this season. Whether or not we can take that next step and start this rebuild that we've been talking about for so long. I think he's going to get the time to do it uh, and implement his own style with his own players. Seems like we want to back him, and other extenuating circumstances are getting in the way of that, i.e., Mescu Un Club, i.e., the biggest mess in world football. So, yeah, um, September 1st is a long way away. Let's see who else we get in. Excited for the first game against Brighton and see some of the new guys and how they're going to perform. But, yeah, overall, expectations are not too high. So, um, maybe that will change come September. Who knows? But, yeah, let's go and uh, let's see where we can end up and hopefully get a bit closer to the top teams this year.
6: Hey, guys, it's Rhys. I just thought I'd give my thoughts on United's situation and where they're headed this season. I think it all depends on the last few weeks of the transfer window. I'm assuming if De Jong doesn't come in and we don't really reinforce the midfield and we don't get in a winger like Anthony or a new centre forward, I can't see us finishing top four. Uh, It just seems as much as Ten Hag can tactically improve the squad, it reminds me of um, Klopp's situation when he first joined Liverpool where he can sort of transform the culture to a certain degree, implement certain tactical adaptations, but essentially the quality of the squad isn't going to be good enough. So I predict a similar type of results to last year, but hopefully the performance aspect feels better and we know that we're heading in the right direction. That's all I want from this season. Um, yeah, so that's what I predict from this season. I don't expect top four. And I expect the team to hopefully on a performance front, just aesthetically look better. And in terms of statistically have better pressures, better possession of the ball, more chances created. So, yeah.
1: Welcome back. And at this point, I'm going to introduce our guest of the show, Michael Statham from football they have a podcast they've got a twitter do go and follow them they're all about english speaking kind of website podcasts covering everything about dutch football he's going to give us the full lowdown on eric ten Hag and our dutch players have come in malasia martinez even van der beek and maybe a bit of insight on anthony and de Jong as well uh and yeah thank you to him for joining us
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Pleased to welcome Michael
1: Statham to the podcast. Hello, Michael. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. So Michael is from the Football Orangie .com website and podcast did I pronounce that right
7: yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> got your English right. and Dutch words stuck together.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the number one English language website for everything Dutch football. So, yeah, do go and check that out. And obviously, we've got a full Dutch revolution going on at Manchester United right now. Uh, the manager, Eric Ten Hag and he's brought in a couple of players with them. So, yeah, I wanted to kind of hear, let, look, let's start with the manager, Eric Ten Hag. I'm sure he's somebody you've been following and know well. Uh, did you expect that he would end up in the Premier League? And do you think his kind of style is suited to the Premier League?
7: Yeah, like we, we were watching from a long time on Football Anya, um, and we were just so impressed with him the way that he was able to be. We, he came, I think it's good good start first of all, we're talking about his past and how he, how he got there. He worked with Bayern Munich second team. He managed at FC Utrecht. Um, so he, he's, he's, had, he's had this sort of upbringing, ready to be the Ajax manager and he, he, when he first started it, he wasn't it wasn't, I don't think, doing the best that he could have been. I, th- I think he was, he was learning lots along the way. But eventually, you, you could see that he was putting in place all of these things he learned from Guardiola. Um, so those, time, those years he had him in charge of Ajax, like he he, was, he developed massively, and now he's ready for this kind of challenge. The way he developed is something we've, we've looked out for a lot over the past few years. And um, he's, he's developed many sides of the game, the way that the tides play, the young players coming through. Um, helping the club make the right transfers. Yeah, he's, he's got it. He's got it. And I think I think many United fans have noticed that to begin with, like the way that he's cut a sort of disciplined figure, um, mm. which is one of the first things I thought he'd do as soon as he walks into United.
1: It is something we needed and it is quite a change. You know, we've, come from kind of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and of course we did have Ralph it in the middle but Ole was always kind of a friend of the squad tried to be everybody's mate and keep a good kind of team yeah. atmosphere there whereas yeah you do see straight away a different kind of style a different kind of just yeah voice coming from Ten Hag and uh, you know we've obviously looked into him a bit and I hear he's a bit of a control freak He's done little kind of changes <laughs> that are not expected you know he's moved things like our home kind of dugout which has been there for decades. He's moved it to the other side just small light changes over there uh, and you know it just shows what kind of level of detail he's going into over there. Um, I mean how would you kind of define his style if you're going about what is his tactical style? Um, you know it's something we've kind of lacked and everybody said under Ole what was our style nobody was sure and I am kind of thinking, you know he has a bit more of a kind of philosophy and a more defined style of football.
7: He does it's, it's a a lot of what Guardiola was trying to achieve at Bayern Munich, because Ten Hag worked with him a lot. Um, it's very attacking. He, he'll never have his side sit back and defend in games. Um, he was actually criticised in the past for being a bit too attacking. And mm-hmm. he would have all of these players going forward and only leave sort of two defenders back <laughs> or three defenders back. And then they get ripped apart in the counter-attack from, on occasion. That was one of his weaknesses. With Ajax. I think he needs to tweak tweak that a lot sooner than, than his final season in charge. So he he would use the wing backs. He would I would, I would absolutely load the midfield and getting players in and around the box. The biggest thing for him though was he was a freak about getting getting really into the game and his intelligence of how can he move the players like chess pieces so that they can open up space for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that he was really kind of tasked himself with figure out. Um, Yeah, he's somewhat of, of a... He's just so obsessed with the game, I think is the way of putting it.
1: Yeah, that is something that's come out very clearly. I mean, I'd also listen myself to one of kind of Steve McLaren's podcasts where before he took our coaching job where he was talking about Eric Ten Hag and that was the big thing he went into, the kind of level of detail, control freak, how he looks into every little part over there. So, yeah, really interested to see. I mean, we've already had a kind of taste of it in preseason here that started really well, but although in the last few matches hasn't gone as well, we kind of had a win and a loss just over the weekend over here. But, yeah, look, that's just preseason and it's more interesting about the style of play and how players are getting up to speed uh, i mean on top of that he's taken full control of our kind of transfer side of things uh, our whole scouting team was sacked he's basically quite clearly said look i want my own players in regardless of what anybody else at the club says and we've already seen you know two signings have come in Tyrone malasia and Lisandro martinez we may still, they were still being linked as well with Frankie de Jong, also Anthony. But I mean, look, let's talk about the two that are kind of confirmed in over here. The first one who came in through the door was Tyrell Malassia, who I, to be honest, did not know much about. I mean, I know he'd made his Dutch debut kind of recently. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you expected him to be making that step up from Dutch football to the Premier League already.
7: When you mentioned those two players there, the one that I knew already was um, Martinez, mm-hmm. Malacia very good player, but when you you, th- you think about the top of the English game at Manchester United, and it's difficult to say, because obviously Man United have factored the last few years, but you, they, they're a team that want to be winning the Premier League, they're all challenging for it, and I'm not sure Molassi is quite ready for that. I want him to go out and prove me wrong. Um love Dutch football, I love Dutch talents coming through, and I also watch the national team as well. So it's, I, I, I'm not wishing him well here, but if you ask me about year first, um, I can talk more glowingly about Martinez. Though year is someone who at Fine order broke through quite quite young, um, and and he's played a number of seasons there with Fine being a regular left back. He's a bit of a pit bull. That's where his nickname came from. Um, he's he's someone who bombs bombs into tackles. He bombs forward on the wing. He's not like super good at his crossing or. Um, one of his small witnesses is that he's on the back post winning the headers as a full you know, It's a little tricky for him. But he has loads of pluses to his game. He's someone who, fly, as I said, flies to his tackles and he's very quick and he's very nimble at getting around. And if he's dribbling, he'll, he'll do a little trick and that to try and get away from people. These kind of things you'll, you'll see from him straight away. Um, Martinez, yeah, um, I spoke about him actually Guy Sports News the other day. And, and the M- Martinez, I think, I think he surprised a lot of people with how he can be so small. But actually, be so physical and win headers. Yeah, a lot um, has been made about his size coming into that. like a physical yeah. Premier League and it everything. Has, isn't it? But uh, look, I, no, I'm not worried
1: about that. You know, I'm sure. And that's the thing. Obviously, the manager knows him very well, and that is the big thing there. Uh, although on the past, we've not had the best of luck with Argentinian players. We've had quite a few come and go over the time mm. from Heinze to Tevez and some of them did well, but they all kind of left under a cloud for one reason or other. Di Maria as well. So I'm hoping he can book the trend. He only just made his debut for us literally yesterday and yeah, he looked very assured, but yeah, you think he's the one who is more ready for this kind of premier league step up.
7: Yeah, five foot nine, but he's so physical and the way he leans his arm out twin headers. You wouldn't know how, how tall he was, really. Um, yeah, he's he's exceptional on the ball. He, he's got one some of the best stats in the Eredivisie, not just the Eredivisie, but when compared to defenders in the top five leagues as well, for pass completion, for progressive dribbles forward, for progressive passes forward. Um, he's in the sort of top top 5% for all of those categories, and I think top 1% for his passing. Um, the, the, yeah, he's incredible on the ball. I think it's something that, I know you want to ask about Jong, but it's something that he can bring somewhat as well. The way that he can start the, start building the play from deep, um, headers wise, he's won seventy percent of his headers in the Eredivisie last season, sixty one percent of them in the Champions League. So you know he, he, can, he knows what he's doing. Um, he's very physical, and when I interviewed uh, Joel Pudot, who people might know as the Swansea striker now, he was playing for PSV at the time, and Martinez was playing for Ajax, and Pido. Uh, spoke to me about how he was the best fan he ever played against because he was so physical and he would leave in little elbows he would talk about something in your ear and he'd just be trying to be off-putting um and and that's what kind of sets him apart i know martinez has always spoken to the united fans about this how he has his fighting spirit he'll he'll do it he does it every game for his family um that kind of thing and that all comes across in the way that he's he, he sort of do all die attitude. When there's that last ball and he's got to get his foot out there, he will do his absolute utmost to get to stretch out a leg or to get something off the line. Uh, there's a video that I was doing the rounds of him winning the, a header on on the goal line, and he he got the he flipped the ball off the line onto the post, and it just <laughs> it, was, it was such a good goal line clearance. Yeah, I think he's I think he's great. I think he's one of the best players to come from the area of Rizzi in in um, a little while defensively. Um, and, and I wish I wish him all the best. I think yeah, it's, that's it's a great sign if you know.
1: Cause... Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see him. I mean he is gonna have a battle on his hands. Obviously we've got Harry Maguire, Varane there is also even, you know, Lindelof over there. So, yeah, he's going to have a kind of battle to get in the team. But I do expect him to get a lot of minutes. malasia as you say, I think he's maybe more of a squad player. We've not played a huge amount for him. I think if Luke Shaw yeah. is fit, he will still be first choice for us. But at least Molassio can I kind agree. of push him there. And maybe, you know, in a couple of years' time, develop into something. Uh, I mean, we've already got one Dutch player who's been... There for a couple of seasons now, not had the best of times. Donny van der Beek. Uh, had you been surprised at kind of the lack of game time he's had since he's come into the English game? Uh, I mean, I think now with Ten Hag coming in, a lot of people are expecting him to have more of a chance. Although in pre season, he's not actually still started that many games and has mostly been coming in from the bench. Uh, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how his fortunes change under his own manager.
7: But did you expect more from him coming into the Premier League? I did. But then I suppose the way that most English teams play is that playing Van der Beek as a ten doesn't really work in the English system because it's you need someone to be quite physical and um or or obviously he's a bit of a goal getter, isn't he? He's he's, he's a great link up player. But I think the United kept wanting to play him deeper and it that didn't really play to his strengths. What why what, what he did so well I act was playing to the ten, um, being a great four for the striker and getting important goals in 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 the bigger matches. Because he, he's so good with his feet. Um, but I think, as I say, the English game is a, a lot of crossing and um, it's very physical inside the box. I think that doesn't really suit Van der Baet's game. Um, that's why it surprised me now. But obviously at the time, when he first signed, I was like, yes, brilliant. He, he can mould his game into something amazing, a little like Raphael, Raphael Van der Vaart did with Spurs and became something of a hero. Yeah, now now you say that he's not doing, doing too many minutes in, in pre-season, it makes me think. Will he be there till January, see how it goes, and then go off on a move, see what it's like with Ten Hag? Or will he get a low move in maybe before September? But I, I want the guy to play because he's another one in the Dutch national team, was was getting loads of games, and now he's, he's gone to the abyss. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I do think his better games for us have actually been when he's played more around kind of number eight than number 10. Uh, his biggest issue is that Bruno Fernandes is pretty locked in for us in that number 10 position. Whereas yeah, our he's more... a great
7: player, isn't he? So how can you blame him?
1: That's the thing. The stats are difficult to argue with for Bruno. Um, I mean, he's a different kind of player. He's kind of safer, rotates the ball more. Bruno tends to take more risks and go for that kind of Hollywood pass and seems to come off for him more often than not. So they're very different kind of players. But I will be interested to see how Ten Hag utilises him there. Um We do still have, of course, Frankie de Jong has been the transfer saga off the summer, is still out Mm -hmm. there. We need a midfielder desperately because we've lost Pogba, lost Matic uh, and a couple of other players around there too this summer. Um, I don't know if you have any kind of insight into this side of things over there, but yeah, it's been an ongoing kind of battle, it seems. And nobody's quite sure if he wants to make the move, where it's at, issues with his Salary over at Barcelona, but yeah, it seems that United haven't quite
7: given up on him yet. I know, I know, footballers do enjoy the money, but I don't think that Frank de Jong is suddenly going to jump ship for the money. <laughs> I think that he's not, he's not appealed by, um, I guess, starting from scratch with United in that he's going from from Barcelona to United, and he may not does he get Champions League football? No, you know what, what's what's that big sort of appeal for him? Um, that's what I think is putting him off slightly at Barcelona they've had a tricky time I think he'd rather stay with what was his kind of dream club um, than suddenly jump ship and it, if another huge club comes in for him which as far as I'm aware have not at the moment then he'll stay with Barcelona and I, I think that he's he's probably a bit fed up with it himself where he's probably thinking about it mulling it over but at the moment I don't see it happening there can be no doubt that he would be a great upgrade to what got currently got. Um, and I, I'm very biased here, but I think he's one of the best midfielders around, if not the best at the moment. Uh, I love his play. He's so important to what the Netherlands do. When he's playing deep midfield in particular, he can be so influential on the play.
1: I mean, it is the biggest problem area for us at the moment. Well, kind of where we're weakest is central midfield. And, of course, Eric Ten Hag knows him well. I just keep thinking that I can't believe that there hasn't been some discussions in the background between Ten Hag or his people and De people to say, are you ready for this move? That we keep kind of pushing for it. But, you know, you never really know what's going on in these football transfers. So many rumours, so many smoke and mirrors, stories out there. It's quite clear Barcelona need to balance the books. It's quite clear we want him. But yeah, where exactly he's on it, I guess, we'll find out before the end of the month when the transfer window closes. Um, But yeah, look, those are our main kind of links. We do also still have this link as well to Anthony, but there seems to be quite a wide difference in how much Ajax want for him compared to we want for him. I mean, I do think he's a 100 million euro player, which seems to be what he's kind of being touted at.
7: I think that he's not worth that much <laughs> and Ajax are just doing their best at this point to put off United to say we're not losing any more players at all this summer, so don't even think about it. The same happened with Julian Timber where the player was, was quite clear that he wants to stay with Ajax and develop there at least another year. And That's why Dutch footballers think. They think about how the development and that kind of thing and Timber all well, know he could do it another season. Um, Martinez was ready to go which is why he left. Um, Anthony he needs another year as well. And I don't know whether he's quite as driven as Yordan Timber, but he does need another consistent season because he, he has been so inconsistent for Ajax. Obviously, playing the Dutch League, you can still stand out. But in those Champions League games, Anthony wasn't always there um, when the team needed him. So, yeah, I don't think he's quite worth that at the moment. He's quite scattered good anyway. I'm not sure that he does so well at United at the moment. I mean, if, a couple of years time, if he improves his game further, yeah, it could be an outrageous player, but not yet.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, it does sound around the way that, you know, if you can pick up somebody like that around 50 million, you might take a punt on him, but at like 100, it seems way too much. Uh, So we'll see from there. I mean, yeah, I think, look, thank you very much for coming and joining us and giving us this kind of perspective from the Dutch side of things. Uh, We may try and get you on later in the season to see how things have worked out for some of these players and all over there. Uh, If you want to shout out again, your website and your Twitter, so people can follow you over there.
7: Yeah, yeah. So my name is Michael Statham. Um, you can find me on Twitter at eredvz Mike. Um, but I also you can find football Daniel on Twitter as well. Football and then orange, but replace the G with a J, and you've got us. We do Dutch football in the English language, so if you don't speak Dutch, don't worry, everything's in English. Um, we cover Dutch league, the Dutch national team. Um, we just recently interviewed uh, interviewed Joel Pereira for. And football And, so if you know the old United goalkeeper come watch the interview
1: yeah we did retweet that on the United Hour Twitter so you can check out that interview over there and we will make sure to link up all your socials on ours there but yeah thank you very much Michael for joining us and yeah we'll try and get in touch with you later in the season to see how the Dutch revolution is going
7: cheers I've got a good hope that it will go well in, in future and Ten Hag is a great coach
1: we're looking forward to it. I hope it's right. Like I say, it's fifth time lucky for us in managers since Ferguson, and we're still waiting for the one, so hopefully he is the one. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Hey,
8: everybody. It's Craig, the Welsh one. Obviously, I haven't been on in a while, but, you know, that's how things are. Preseason, I think, went decently well. Uh, Martial and Rashford seemed to Find their form again. Hopefully, that continues in the mains. You know, in the season itself. Uh, my expectations, though, are low. <laughs> um, I'm like I'm thinking four to six uh, at best because the the transfers we made aren't exactly inspiring. I mean, Ericsson is great, uh, but I just. I think we need a lot more than we've got. Um we we definitely need better midfielders and another striker because if someone is injured we're kind of fucked to be honest. So I'm kind of not got lofty expectations this season. Um I hope Ten Hag does well. But I just it's gonna be difficult with the squad we've got and especially with uh the prima donna uh, making all the drama about him constantly. I think that's gonna fuck things up majorly with him staying. I just, I, I, I just think there'll be a war between him and Ten Hag, and it'll fuck the season up in a big way because you'll be forced to, you know, play him by higher ups or something, and uh, we'll be left with a striker up front who can't move more than ten yards without bloody. Crying for the ball, so I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. hopefully we do a lot better than I think um so yeah, those are my thoughts and uh yeah, that's it. thank you.
4: bye hello, uh this is Ashwin here uh coming to you to talk about what you can expect from United this season uh to be quite honest, I am as undecided on this season as I maybe have ever been. Uh I think they have every chance to finish top four, but they also could finish as low as sixth or maybe even seventh. Uh there's still a lot of business that they need to get done. Uh very short in the attacking areas, very short in midfield. Um I do like what I have seen so far from Eric Ten Hag as far as uh how the team is playing in terms of buildup and possession. Um, I think that we're going to get a lot more attacking play from the fullbacks um, and not just in terms of direct assist contributions, but just positionally where they are stationed at when we're in possession. But um, yeah, I I think ultimately this falls on the board and whether they can deliver some of the targets that uh, Ten Hag clearly wants. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with the De Jong situation. We don't know if we're going to get another forward, be it Antony or recent bizarre links to Ziyech. Um, But we do need numbers up there. Also, it bears watching what goes on with the Ronaldo situation because if he's here, he has a very there's every chance that he's extremely disruptive. And if he's not here, that just increases the need for reinforcements to arrive before the window closes in a few weeks. So they have a lot of work to be done. I do think if they get him the players he needs, I would back Ten Hag um, to finish top four. Uh, I also think that getting into the Champions League via Europa League, uh, winning it, is a completely realistic option. Uh, he has performed well in Europe previously. so, uh, And this is likely, look, even without reinforcements, this is as talented a squad as he's had. I think Sancho is a player to watch. I think he will come very good under Ten Hag. He seems to be a very good fit in preseason. Uh, the, the ability to score goals has really, for the team, has really been directly correlated Inter with with how much Sancho has played or not played, so he might be the most critical player in this in the side this year, uh, especially given the lack of attacking depth. Obviously, depending on Martial and Rashford, we'll see how they bounce back after very poor seasons last year, uh, respectively. So, and Martial really for two years. So, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but uh, I do think that we will see a return to form of many players. Uh, who dropped off last season, and I would expect a massive season uh, from Jaden Sancho. So let's say I settle on, we finish fifth, but we win Europa League.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty 18 plus thanks very much to michael for joining us do go and check out their twitter and website we will hit it up on our twitter so you can see what their handles are and everything and look we're going into the new season For you lucky guys, we do have an Imran Stupid game coming up. Before that, I do want to just cover a bit more of the news that's going around. We have had some kind of changes in our coaching setup. Um, A couple of random names as well. And it seems like a bit of a change in where we'd been on picking up coaches the last few years. I mean, Ole had really gone out and picked up a lot of kind of up and coming young English British coaches and some of them done well I mean people can go and see that McKenna is doing pretty well at switch we still need to go and see where Michael Carrick comes back into football but uh names that should be familiar to anyone who's followed the Premier League for a while but yeah Benny McCarthy has now joined our coaching network uh most famous for playing for Blackburn Rovers and also for scoring against us for Porto in the Champions League under Jose Mourinho and it's quite famous that he was not happy about scoring those goals that day because he was born and brought up as a Manchester United fan and that Jose actually gave him a right rollicking for not really celebrating and not really being on top of the world after knocking us out that day. Um, but yeah, he joined, he comes from, and actually, I mean, Inman, I don't know if you've got any extra insights. I know you have a South African connection from family and everything, but I understand he's been a manager out in South Africa. So it's actually inferior theory, a step down for him to come back and be a coach.
2: Uh, yeah, he's been managing South Africa um, with Amazulu and CT City, I think they're called, in the South African leagues. Uh, and he's done quite well there, to be fair. Like, I think he, I mean, they're obviously small teams in South Africa, but I think he had them playing, like, decent football from what I can gather. And I think the big thing, though, is that, like, he was in the running, or at least in the conversation, to be the South African national team coach. Now, South African national team is not great. Um, well, I
1: understood he actually turned that down. That's well, why he did I turn understood. that down
2: to come to us. Um and I mean obviously it's a national job so it is big, but South Africa national team is notoriously crap for the the structure of that com- the structure of that country the the national team is poor. But he's still like he's come to us ahead of a manager's job to be a first team striker coach which I mean people talk about jobs for the boys and stuff for United it becomes a bit of a, a running joke now but you can't really call this a job for the boys at all this is um, someone who's earned it on, on merit really um, and it's someone who Ten Hag wants in there's not even a, a really an Ajax connection there so yeah he did it's, actually uh, play for Ajax well, did, yeah I mean like a recent one yeah, yeah so, not recent. there um, is that
1: tenuous Ajax connection tenuous, in his but, history no, but... but
2: I mean I, I think you know like why not we, I mean ultimately we, can't, we cannot judge this because we don't know how we, what kind of coach he'll be but I mean, yeah. Why not? I, I I like South African in there. No, yeah.
1: And the other one who joins us in is Tom Huddlestone, the ex-Spurs, most recently of Hull. Uh, I think he did get a couple of England caps at some point. I think.
2: Oh four england caps
1: yeah all right four england he caps.
2: He, he of the
1: thundershot <laughs> yeah Hullson. yeah yeah he was always famous that kind of holding midfielder he used to blast one in a one one a season basically that's what we would know no he was actually better than that but anyway he's uh joins in as player coach but for more in the academy and actually, i actually do think it's quite a cool idea that it started with paul mcshane who was there that They've brought in a kind of overage player who will kind of play some of these academy games and be a kind of on pitch coach stroke manager for some of the younger lads. So there's actually quite a kind of interesting concept. Mm. And yeah, look, again, I don't have a lot of kind of thought about Tom Huddlestone coming in to do
2: that. But yeah, look, why not? although yeah but if we do have question, a couple of injuries question. and a hole in the midfield then like you know well that is my question <laughs> yes or no do we see tom huddleston play for the first team at some point this season oh. not in a prop like could be like in the the last round of the europa league or do you think tom Hoddleston plays
1: I think he is actually going to be registered sure as a player. Be, he's he like is going to be registered player, he, as so. a player. Yeah, but that's in
3: the under-21s. He won't be registered but the first male.
1: I, I think you're still just registered in general as a oh, Manchester yeah. United player. Yeah, well, I think
2: he will actually be registered. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know the ins and outs either. But all uh, I'm saying is, game six of the Europa League, when we are... No. In, and, we've got <laughs> an away, and we've got an away game in Kazakhstan... <laughs>
3: I'm telling no, you, I've I've read that he's um, going to be more on this coaching side of it as opposed to playing as much as Paul McShane did. So the answer's no from me.
4: But <laughs> I, mean, it, I would love it.
3: I
2: would. Laugh, I would love. It so would much. be fantastic. It, it would will. be
3: brilliant. Yeah, look,
1: he's going to be around. It'll be the there. first
2: time we played defensive midfielder in like eight seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah,
1: we actually had a proper one for a long time. Uh, we're still waiting for that. Um, but yeah. I, like I say, we can't really comment that much. It's just interesting seeing you new guys come in on the coaching side until they start getting working and we see the results. It doesn't really mean much. I also understand there's a new guy coming, Kevin Cage, I believe, video analyst who has worked with Ten Hag in the past, is also coming in there. So he's kind of getting his team all sorted out. I mean, the main ones are his old uh, assistant from Ajax, whose name I completely forget.
2: Michael van der Gaag.
1: There you go. That's the geezer. And uh, Steve McLaren, of course, is in there. So, yeah, that's the kind of... And the main... big
2: change as well switching around the dugouts
1: yeah yeah that's true actually Huge that's true trend. i mean uh they, you know we did mention this on past podcasts that eric ten Hag is a massive massive control freak and into the absolute detail of every little thing so after you know i'm sure you as well imran we can only ever remember it being one way that uh facing it The home kind of dugout where Alex Ferguson sat for years and everybody after him was on the left side and the away dugout was on the right side. Uh, And of course, the tradition going back in history was that all the players in the tunnel came out from between those two dugouts. Mm. That's how it was when I first started going to Old Trafford. But after the redevelopment of the Stretford end, they built kind of new changing rooms. And now obviously the players will come out from the corner. Which is the corner that's actually closest to like the away uh, kind of dugout? But I guess you know they never really thought about moving it from there. In a way, you know, it is kind of logical maybe that. Come- and also, the away end would now be closer to what is the away dugout as well. So from that side of things, it does also make sense. Uh, it I'm, just does... waiting for
2: the, I'm just waiting for the first person to go to the wrong dugout.
1: Yeah, who's it going to be?
2: Hilarity will ensue.
1: <laughs> What's, eh? What's the bets on who's mm. going to be? I do say, yeah, Donny van der Beek spent a lot of time on the subs bench. Maybe he's going to be the one who's too used to sitting over there. But uh, yeah, there's sure to be somebody at some point who's going over and getting confused on which dugout is which. But, you know, I'd, it is this kind of detail that he's known for. That is what Eric Ten Hag is supposed to be super super into every little little detail that's going on uh and we know he's much more hands-on on the kind of training pitch and coaching than maybe ole was uh you know Ole left a lot of things to mckenna to carrick and was more like the guy who was picking the team whereas ten Hag is definitely on there and there's also a lot of talk more about the kind of discipline side of things and this of course goes back to Ronaldo I mean I don't know if you've seen the comments today that have come from the kind of Dutch interview where Eric Ten Hag has made it pretty clear that he was not happy that Ronaldo left the ground early after making his debut under him on Sunday and I agree with that I kind of you know this whole Ronaldo circus for me now I'm just getting a little bit sick of it
2: uh, in a way can I can I just interject? It, to be fair, it wasn't just Ronaldo. It wasn't just Ronaldo. There was other players. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure Dalo was one of them but as well. dallo, dallo he was not
1: playing them. this game. Right. That's he true. Was yeah, in the stands, that... he was oh, not the... in the squad. He was like came from the stands. Ronaldo played, was then substituted, then and instead of going to sit on the kind of subs bench as you should do if you're a substitute, decided to get change and say, "You yeah, I'm off home now. I've
2: done my bit." Hmm. It's not great. To be fair. And ultimately, I'm 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 happy with any more discipline that comes into the club. So, fine. Yeah, um, I think, I think mean, we do need I mean, it's worth that. saying as well. Like these, the pessimistic outlook for the season has nothing to do with Ten Hag. Fully on board the Ten Hag train. Very happy with him. Uh, the way he's making the team look. The way things he's saying. His ideas. Like if we are struggling in tenth half through the season, I I'll be very surprised if I'm on Ten Hag's back for that. Um, I just feel like with the resources that he has to play with, he's gonna it's gonna take a lot. No, it is, but I do expect that a lot of players that failed us last
1: season will play a lot better now. I mean, really can't play much worse. Yeah, I was gonna say they can't be worse, can they? And uh, you know, like I said, I've na- I said the names so many times on this podcast: Maguire, Rashford, Shaw. A lot of them are English, to be honest. Even Sancho. I mean,
2: Sancho did not have to a think good about season for us. Is that all those four players, apart from Shaw and Maguire? Well, so half of them, um, have a World Cup to play for. And the World Cup is in three months. And Rashford and Sancho are a long way from that. 23? No. So even really Shaw, Shaw still has to play for his place no, that World Cup No, I think World Shaw's well. pretty much first choice left back for mm. Southgate. Mainly because there's no Chilwell. I think Chilwell might be fit by then. He he's... might be fit by then, but Southgate prefers Shaw. And Shaw's only not been in when he's been injured. He's not been not picked, like Rashford and uh, Sancho have just mm. been not picked. Mm. So sure as long as he doesn't play shit should be fine it's just Rashford and Sancho need to they need to impress otherwise they're not going to get anywhere near that squad yeah, definitely. And to be fair, they both have looked a lot sharper in preseason. We see Rashford
1: back on the left, which I've said for a long time is where he needs to play. Sancho is on the right where we barely ever saw him last season. And that was supposed to be where he was coming into. And, uh, you know, Martial comes in over there and has been doing well in preseason. We know Martial, there is a good player in there. We just, we kind of see it, Once in every two or three seasons. I mean, I would put this tweet out a couple of weeks ago. Martial has been with us for eight seasons. Eight seasons. And I'd say there's probably two, maybe three of those seasons where you'd say you actually had a good season. Uh, But yeah, look, he's back in there just because we have nobody else. Obviously, Cavani left. Greenwood is out of action.
2: I refuse to get excited about Anthony Martial
1: can't I'm... get excited about it because we know we've just been here so many times but can just, just out can't. of default I'll, that I'm guy to he's got so many lives the guy is just the luckiest guy ever to still have the chance of being first choice starter for manchester united after eight years and the majority eight of years it... and a terrible loan spell <laughs> at Sevilla. yeah but just through lack of any other option he is surely gonna start on yeah. sunday against is, Brighton. He, is he in your fantasy team I, I, I've not properly done my fantasy team yet and by the way um we will we should have already done it on this podcast but we're not actually ready with it but yeah I'm sure everybody who's doing fantasy football will have their teams ready on the next podcast I will give out the code for the united Hour podcast league and we'll put it on
2: Twitter and stuff as well also.
1: no we won't put it on Twitter you have to listen to this oh, podcast okay, to you have join to to this podcast. Uh, yeah you have to listen to this podcast to join our fantasy football league I'm not putting this on Twitter
2: there is a prize up for grabs so, yeah, yeah yeah we gave
1: out a prize last year it was FPL Matthew who ended up being like what I call a semi-pro fantasy football guy who came in from Red Cafe and he got a very nice set of coasters over there but uh, on the next show I will give the league and uh, even if you're not in it at the start it's fine you can still join a league later in the season so as long as your team is set up you will be able to join the united hour fantasy premier league um league when we set it up which we still haven't done but we will do it and we'll put out the code on the next show um but yeah look i think that's around where we're at at the moment i think we will round this off to get the season going with what everybody looks forward to an imran stupid game uh I lost last time to Calm. I was incredibly disappointed. And there was that. like uh, t- you know it should be my area as well, geography and countries and there was even like two places I'd been to that I even forgot what countries they were in. That's how poor I did last time. So yeah, Ed, are you up for the challenge this time?
3: Well, no. But we'll try. <laughs> uh, have I done one of these before? I think I have. I think yeah, I've done
1: one. You've definitely I think you uh you've definitely done at least one at some point. Yeah.
2: Well, but I've played along, though. I've played along. As, as everyone will do, because now it's time for Imran's Stupid Game. Uh,
1: wonderful game of football, in which Manchester United have won convincingly.
3: But it was a breathtaking match. Absolutely brilliant.
2: <laughs> Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Hello. Yes, welcome to Imran's Stupid Game. Um, there is a title for this game, uh, but I can't say it because it's also the first question. So after the first question, I'll say what the title of this game is. Okay. Um, basically... It's a very simple game. I'm going to read you a quote from the great man, Sir Alex Ferguson, because we have a new manager and his name is Ten Hag, and Ten Hag is going to be our new Sir Alex Ferguson, of course. So what better way to start this new season under this new man who's going to lead us to such heights than relive the glory of our old man who uh, led us to such great heights as well.
3: But not our so, greatest manager, because that's Michael
2: Carrick. Oh, obviously. Sorry. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, it is Michael Carrick. Sorry. <laughs> Where would we be with Michael Don't Carrick? Right Carrick <laughs> Don't forget the Carrick era. Don't forget the Carrick era. We should probably... Uh, um, I mean, Fer- Fergie is back in the fall. We didn't talk about that in the rec. Maybe we'll talk about it after the pod, after the game. Oh. Sorry, uh, Fergie and Gil being back. But yeah, anyway, on to real things in my stupid game. So I'm going to read you a quote from the great man and you will tell me who he is talking about. It's oh, a Man no. United person. And if okay. it's not, I'll say beforehand this isn't a United person that he's talking about. Uh, Nick, no Ed, as you are a newcomer to the United um, to Imran stupid game, we'd like to go first or second. Uh, first. First, right. So, who's he talking about? I'm. I'm not fucking talking to you. He's a fucking great player. User fucking idiots. Uh, a very famous quote from Sir Alex Fickham. That's why this game is called User Use Fucking Idiots. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have gone second. Um, I, I, I sh- sh- is it a specific person? It's a very specific person. Nick knows exactly who it is. I can tell uh, uh, no, what I you. Don't. Doing? Oh, it's a very famous For I'm surprised. I okay. Do, do you want to take a guess anyway? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll say it again. I'm not going to do it in a Scottish accent because- Ma- Martin Edwards. It's No, it's a player, but- Oh, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm no fucking talking to you. He's a fucking great player. you are fucking idiots. No. no. Nick, do you know? Uh, I don't know it, but I'm going to throw out Michael Carrick. Incorrect. It's Juan Sebastian Veron. There's a very famous uh, press conference he did. Fair enough. Didn't know it. And yeah, everyone was questioning Juan Veron, and Fergie came out with that wonderful uh, i thought that was an easy one which uh, means well, ed uh, how ahead how on earth did you throw up martin edwards as the answer to that uh,
1: no, question i
3: thought he was i thought he was talking to someone about the player not I no no it's about
2: it's so all right going to be I'll annoyed now because the second <laughs> one is a lot easier apparently because i thought that was easy i thought everyone would get that but <laughs> yeah. all right he was never this is the number two nick he was never a problem until he got married uh david beckham that is correct it is david beckham one nil to nick Back to you. So you see, Ed, you should have gone second. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought penalties, you know. (laughs) If he, he, this is number three, if he was an inch taller, he'd be the best centre-back in Britain. His father is six foot two. check the milkman. Johnny Evans. No, it's incorrect. I thought you might have had it. Nick? Uh,
1: I don't know it either. My guess would be
2: Steve Bruce. It's Gary Neville. Really, oh, Gary yeah. never loses. And he's all probably right. the best centre half in Britain. Because right. if I respect too, I check the milkman. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did play centre back now and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Okay, Nick. This is for you. It's one nil to Nick still. It was the most emphatic display of selfness- selflessness I have seen on a football field, pounding wow. over every blade of grass, competing if he would rather die of exhaustion than lose. He inspired all around him. Yeah, I assume it's Roy Keane. It yeah. is Roy Keane. <sighs> Do you know That's- what he's talking about? Juventus. Juventus, yeah. he is. Yeah. Turns out being on the uh second, being number two is easier in this quiz. But <laughs> yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Right. Uh Ed. He is truly blessed. He doesn't just have ability, he has a fire inside him. Faller. Sorry?
3: F- Diego Fall. No, it's uh Nick. Well, do you know? Do I get a guess? Uh yeah. maybe it's Cantonar then. I was
1: actually gonna say Cantonar but yeah. That would be my guess. It's it's Wayne Rooney. Oh, he,
3: All right.
2: He's
3: very blessed. It's, have looked him? He's not blessed. He was very
2: blessed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Nick, I used to say that when a player is at his peak, he feels as though he can climb Everest in slippers. That's what he was like.
1: No idea. I'll go for Paul
3: Scholes. Uh,
2: no. Ed, do you want to have a guess?
3: Oh, I'll go with Cantona on this one, then. Yeah. It was
2: Paul Ince. Paul Ince. Pa- Paul, Paul Ince. Ince. The Everest in his slippers.
1: Uh-huh, Paul Ince. Uh-huh. All right, all
2: right. All right, Ed, this one's for you. Yeah. How many centre-halves can you name who actually liked defending? He liked it. He loved the challenge of sticking his head in there. You could tell the thrill of the contesting those 50-50 balls animated him. Uh, it's got to be Steve Bruce. It's not Steve Bruce. It's not Steve Bruce. Hmm. Vidic. It is Vidic, Nick. It is (sighs) Vidic. 3 0. Uh, Smashing your head. Smashing your head. Going back to Nick.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: The great thing about him is he's one of the best professionals we've had here. He was truly fantastic, and particularly in big big games. I loved playing him in big games. Jason Park.
6: Correct.
3: Jason Park. He's one of my most favourite players ever.
2: Fantastic stuff. (laughs) Nick is really showing what a true. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Imran's stupid game pro looks like. Yeah, yeah. it's getting Incredible all the, stuff. 4 ones.
3: All the easy ones.
2: <laughs> right. I got your one as well, Ed. Yeah. You did get your one as well, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Ed, this one's for you. Okay. I think he may be one of the best players we've ever had. No matter where we play him, at 21 years of age, he's going to be a phenomenal player. I think he can play anywhere on the pitch.
6: It's not Phil Jones, is it?
3: It is Phil Jones. Ed. He's got it. I knew
2: that Nick, one as well. Nick I actually knew, well. I knew, that, one. I actually knew that one as well. Yeah. Ed's on the board. 4-1. Uh, Nick, this one's for you. I remember the ta- I remember the first time I saw him. He was 13 and just floated over the ground like a cock spaniel, chasing a piece of silver paper in the wind. So poetic. First Brian time Giggs. I saw him. Yeah, it's gigs. Well done. Yeah. 5-1. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can come back from here. But you know what? Well, there's, there's four left, actually. So if you get every single one, you can draw, Ed. So, uh, okay. So this is about some... Now, these last few, these last couple are about players who didn't... People who weren't at United. Not United players. Not, no. United, okay. not United people. Yeah, not yeah, United yeah. people. I'm going to say people. Okay, yeah. So this one's for you, Ed. His corner kicks alone are worth £10 million. Uh, Charlie Adams. Charlie Adam, he's straight in there. Did you know Ooh, that one? Nick? Nice. No, no, I wouldn't have known oh, that. Fair well, enough. There you Ed. Go, five two. <laughs> um, this one's for you, Nick. He could start a row in an empty house.
1: Oh, I have heard this one for sure.
2: Robbie Savage. It's a good guess, but it's incorrect. Ed.
3: Paolo De Canio.
2: It's, it's Dennis Wise. Oh, yeah. I definitely had heard that one before. It's Dennis Wise. <laughs> and the last two. Um, Ed, the lad must have been born offside. Uh, Inzaghi. Inzaghi is correct, 5'3". Nick, for the just for the glory of it, as you are, already have one, they say he's an intelligent man, right? Speaks five languages. I've got a 15-year-old boy from the Ivory Coast who speaks five languages. not talking about Jose, is he? He's not talking about Jose. All right, no, don't know. A very good guess. <laughs> uh, why, Oh, boy? He speaks a few languages. Arsene. Arsene, Arsen. yes, of course. Fair enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, after that enticing quiz that I'm going to edit down to get all the pauses out of the way so this will breeze by. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, a good
1: quiz. Uh, Nick, Nick wins. It. Well because I
2: won. I always enjoy it when I win, yeah. Yeah, Nick's, Nick's yeah. back on his glory train. We'll have to get on to put him in his place later on. <laughs> yes. so that, was, uh, that was an Imran stupid game. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Imran. Um, all
1: right,
3: Um It's a lot, lot easier when you're playing along. I'm just saying it's a lot easier when you're just oh, yeah, listening. You know all the answers when you're playing along. <laughs> Dreadful. Dumb and dumb ride Connor. I thought they were really poor. I thought they were joke. Really abysmal.
1: All right, look, let's round off with a couple of predictions for Brighton. As I say, we're recording on Wednesday. We're playing on Sunday. Myself and
2: Imran well, I did, I did will be touch there. It. What, do, what, do, what do you think about um, Fergie and... David Gale being a think tank? I'm okay with it. I see some
1: kind of bad, negative reactions to that. I think one thing is that a lot of people think that Fergie has been involved in a lot of the decisions in the club in recent years. And I don't think it's necessarily the case. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, Fergie chose David Moyes. I don't either think that's the case. I think that's how it was kind of marketed by the club. I think at the time... There wasn't that many options and that's what they came up with. Uh, I mean, all right, I'm sure Fergie was involved at some point in kind of saying that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a good option to come in, but he was only supposed to be, uh, you know, interim at the time. I don't think he was integral in giving him a full-time contract. And yeah, I'm I'm not really clear on how much he's been involved. He has obviously been a non-executive director at the club since he left. So I assume he's been asked his opinion on things there and then but i do i don't see that a big deal would be made of this by richard arnold and all about gil and fergie coming in if they'd already been having a big say in what was going on at the club so i assume they haven't and he's now bringing them in now to go back and say look we need and i've said for a long time we need more football people making decisions at this club there's been too many business people making decisions at this club for a long time and I do actually think that still part of our issue with our transfer window being poor is because ultimately it is still Joel Glazer in America who's making these decisions. And that, for me, is still a big problem. And I still think that, you know, Richard arnold Murdoch can do all they can. But if the final sign-off, the final decision is coming from some guy in America, that's still a problem. Uh, and yeah, I'm hope- for me, if Ferguson, if Gill are coming and giving their say or involved, I I think it's only a good thing.
3: Yeah. As long as it's not, you know, convincing Ronaldo to come back.
2: Well, it seems it appears to me the way it was phrased, it seemed like it was more off the pitch stuff, infrastructure, Carrington, uh, even like promote, like pushing the giving the women's team better facilities, stuff like that. And we forget, like Fergie, I'm mean, Fergie during his time here. I think what oversaw two or three redevelopments of our training. So when he came in, he redeveloped the cliff straight away. Then he obviously was the one who. In made sure that we had Carrington, which at the time was a state-of-the-art facility, but now has fallen way behind. So, if I mean, we do need to, by all accounts,
3: was it ninety-nine uh, that he had us relay the pitch? Is it? No, was
1: times like that, and we know when he changed the kit and things like that and whatever. world and well, not that... changed
2: the kit, but, but but genuinely, we do need to overhaul Carrington a bit. Uh, according to our reports, it's oh yeah, yeah, falling way that behind. So like, yeah. Definitely. Stuff like that, and I think, yeah, getting football people involved in that sort of stuff, yeah, why yeah,
3: not? yeah, no, yeah, it makes sense. If it's if it's sort of oversight stuff, then that, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I feel like it's got nothing to do with the football side of things. Um, seems like we're getting Ten Hag a bit very big remit in that area. Um, yeah, it's pretty so, clear that Ten Hag has taken full control over yeah. transfers,
1: scouting, and he's obviously thrown out like what was in there before because you know. It's pretty clear that, for example, our transfer team were saying, if we were getting a centre-back, we want Pau Torres. He said, no, I'm bringing in my geezer from Ajax. And some people are not that happy about that, which I kind of understand. But then I just say, look, it's the manager's choice, then it's all on him. He can't kind of complain mm. then after that. Whereas, you know, now we always hear from Louis van Gaal, David Moyes, Josie, Mourinho, they all say, oh, we didn't get the players we wanted. All of them come out years later saying, we didn't get the ones we wanted. They're trying to say, it's not our fault. But now if the manager is picking them all, he can't then go turn around and say, that wasn't the players I wanted. It's pretty clear he's bringing in exactly who he wants. And then, yeah, it's all on him. So, yeah, I'm I'm all right with that, to be honest. I don't know what it was. (laughs) Well, look, let's go on to finishing off the podcast just with a couple of quick predictions for the Brighton game on the weekend. As I say, yeah, we're a few days away from it. Um, Me and Imran are not as com- well i'm not as confident as usual i'd say imran is his usual pessimistic self
2: and- I, do, I do think we'll beat brighton like i feel like first home game of the season generally we do all right first game of the season we, we smashed leeds first game of the season last year generally we do okay brighton kind of know what we're going to get i'm not even sure if brighton have really had any new big new signings yeah no um- in fact
1: they've lost basuma that
2: looks like he's still going to leave, whether it's to City,
1: whether it's to Chelsea. looks like he's not going to be a Brighton yeah, player.
2: I probably won't feature, then you'd think, if he's on his way out. Um, they've, yeah, so we kind of know what we'll get with them. They'll play nice, tidy football. But, I mean, without Pissouma... They did, of course, hammer us at the back end of last season, but well, you know, did, yeah.
1: we're forgetting that and we're saying this is a fresh start, it's all out the window, total like new slate. Uh, look, no, even though I'm not so confident about the season, I do still expect that we have enough confidence back in the team, Preseason went relatively well, that we will get a win in this game over here. And I assume, Ed, since you are kind of optimistic of the three that you're expecting a win as
2: well.
3: Oh, yeah, 2-0 probably.
2: All right, all right. Oh, I'll go higher. I'm going to go 3-0. 3-0 United. Yeah. Uh,
3: But yeah,
1: look, as I say, this weekend will tell us a lot. And of course, we'll be back after Sunday's match. Uh, We'll cover a lot over there. You know, we haven't even had time. There's other stuff been going on as well. Like there's been some big things going on with the Man United Supporters Trust and the share scheme. A lot of news out on that today. But yeah, we will cover this on the next episode, uh, which will come to you after that weekend game over there. But yeah, for now... And we will end it over here. Say goodbye to you. Do give us some feedback on, uh, I think Imran has sorted out some new jingle for us for this season. So yeah, shout out to us what you think about that. Uh, and look, we'll be back next
2: week. And yeah, ready for the season to go. Good night from me. Cheers, guys.
3: Good night.
2: United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network. Edited by Imran Laher and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore Hour, or email us at UnitedHour at gmail.com.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?